Hello, friends. You are listening to the Eucharist Church Podcast. We are a local congregation in downtown Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and we are so glad that you listened in. If you would like to join us, we are currently meeting on Zoom, so you can join us from anywhere in the world. We meet at 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, uh, Eastern Standard Time, and we have a, about an hour-long gathering and then a half an hour time afterwards where you can enter into a breakout group to uh, discuss things with either the same people every week or in a, in a group that mixes it up week to week. Uh, also, if you are a part of our congregation in the area of Hamilton, we also invite you to join in on Sunday mornings when we have a community check-in time from 10 to 10.30, and we have a kids program that runs from 9 to 9.30, 9.30 to 10 as well. So you can find all the details for that at eucharistchurch.ca. But for now, we're going to carry on with our sermon series, Reclaiming Christianity. Grace and peace. All right, I'm going to read this text. Again, I've been reading, uh, as I have all the last couple weeks, from David Bentley Hart's translation, which is a very wooden translation, so some things might sound different. And in this text, at least one part sounds very different, but it's much more literal to the Greek that this was originally written in. So uh, it's, it's, really, it's really opened up some stuff. So I'll read it nice and slow so that you can just follow along or listen along. This is after... Christ has risen and encountered Mary, who thinks he's the gardener. He speaks her name and she sees him and says, Teacher, Master, and grabs onto him. And Jesus says to her, Do not cling to me, Mary, but go and tell the others that I am risen. When, therefore, it was early evening of that first day of the Sabbath week, and where the disciples were, The doors had been sealed for fear of the Judeans. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace to you. And saying this, he showed them both his hands and his side. Thus on seeing the Lord, the disciples were overjoyed. So Jesus again said to them, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And saying this, he breathed upon them and says to them, Receive a Holy Spirit. For those whose sins you let go, they are let go. Those you hold fast, they have been held fast. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some weeks when you say this is the word of the Lord, everyone looks like, oh, and you go, oh, thanks be to God. This one I think we can all agree is an easy thanks be to God. <laughs> I love this text. I love its simplicity. I, something about it just shot off the page at me this week. Just this image of the disciples in this tiny room. I, I was rereading in John this week the account of Christ's uh, arrest leading up to his crucifixion. And there's this brilliant moment where they say, who are you? And Jesus says, they say, you know, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, I am. And they all fall down on their faces, like all these Roman centurions. They just fall down. Uh, And then they get up again and they say, who are you? And he says, I am the one you're looking for. And if you're looking for me, then send these other ones away. And so the other disciples, you know, Peter pulls out a sword and cuts a guy's ear off. But then after that, they're all sent away. They all leave. In some accounts, they're scattered. In other accounts, they are set free. 
But whatever it is, they end up leaving and disappearing. And the women are the ones that show up. The women are the ones that come to the tomb early to pay attention. The disciples that are the hidden ones are the ones that actually take him down from the cross and anoint his body. It's all these unexpected disciples that come out of the woodwork after Christ's death. But after the resurrection, the disciples don't really know what it means. And I've been, I was really thinking about this. You know, what would you do? What would you do if the one that you put all your trust in, who you thought as uh, Zacchaeus and his company thought was going to go into Jerusalem and cause the revolution and finally kick out the Romans, how would you feel if he was arrested by the high priest's slaves and by the centurions? How would you feel if he was arrested and taken away? How would you feel if he gave you permission to leave and you didn't go with him to the end and you didn't give up your life for him? But instead, you took the easy out, and you compromised, and you went home and you hid, and you hid while your master died, and you hid while your friend was beaten, and you hid your face. And if even after the resurrection, you've heard stories that he's risen, but does he really want to see you? I don't know about anybody else, but I'd have that feeling. Do I really want to see him? And so they do what we all do when we're afraid. They lock themselves in a tiny room. They surround themselves by the few people they think they can trust. They close the outside world. They seal up the doors. They do not want to take a risk ever again on encountering anyone that might make them vulnerable, on doing anything that might put them in danger. And so they close up their hearts and they close up their minds and they close up their room and they seal it. And I love that in the text, Jesus just appears. <laughs> he just appears. There's this text in Revelation that churches talk about where it says, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that's written to churches. So I've been trying to figure it out. Maybe with the church, Jesus stands outside and knocks. But when it comes to you and I, when it comes to, you know, kind of mediocre disciples, he doesn't knock. He doesn't even open the door. He just appears. Any of you resonate with this? That time where you close down, you lock out, you seal up, and then boom, somehow Christ appears right in your midst. In a strange, mystical way, you encounter the presence of Christ. And you know it's the presence of Christ for two reasons, at least. You know it's the presence of Christ because he starts by saying, peace to you. When we lock up the doors, we're afraid of what people are going to say. When we seal the doors, we're afraid of what we're going to hear. And we know that it's Christ who's appeared among us when we hear from that voice, peace to you, my peace I give to you. And we also know it's Christ because he shows them his wounds. When I'm praying, when I'm afraid, when I lock the doors and want to close myself off, I hear all sorts of voices, but they don't say peace to you. And I see all sorts of visions and all sorts of fears but they're never wounded healers. The fears in my head are usually, or the voices in my head are usually like, we can destroy your enemies, you can be mighty, you'll be safe, I've got you covered. But Christ shows up and says, peace. And then he says, look at my wounds. Look at my hands. Look at my side. And then he breathes on them, which I love. It's just our COVID nightmare, isn't it? How long has it been since somebody breathed on you? But think about that for a moment. Christ appears. He says, peace to you. He shows you his wounds. And then he breathes on you and says, receive a Holy Spirit.
a set-apart spirit, a totally different way of functioning spirit. And then he gives them one last, I used to think of it as a command, but in this more wooden uh, translation, I see it more as just a stating of reality. He says, for those whose sins you let go, they are let go. Those you hold fast, they have been held fast. And I wonder how the disciples would have heard that. I wonder if they would have understood in that moment that the Christ they were maybe afraid of was not there to judge them, but to give them peace, to show them his wounds, to give them a new spirit, and to tell them the truth. That they had sinned, and he's let go of it. And almost parabolically, he then says to us, for those whose sins you let go, they are let go. Those you hold fast, they have been held fast. It's a different way of thinking about sin, isn't it? When someone sins against you. I don't know about anyone else, but when somebody sins against me, I just kind of love to play it over and over again in my mind. It's just kind of, it's kind of like when someone sins against you, it's awful and terrible, but it's also delicious, isn't it? Because it's like, for sure, now I know I am morally better than one other person. And that feels so good to be morally better than that asshole. Because in my life, all the time, I feel like I'm not enough. But now this one moment, I know someone sinned against me. And ooh, I'm going to hold on to it. And ooh, I'm going to... I love that people are clapping. This is the only church that when you say something like that, people cheers. You know, but yes, you get it. Mm, ah, that idiot over there, and I'm righteous, and they're evil, and they wronged me, and they hurt me, and I, I am the victim in this, and I don't need to forgive them because I'm the one that's been hurt. And it does feel good, and it's true. But it does hold fast, doesn't it? And what starts with us holding others' sins in our hands has a strange way of becoming their sins holding on to us. Or that old line that forgiveness is letting someone else live rent-free inside of your head. <laughs> that to let go of someone's sin against you doesn't mean that they're a good person all of a sudden. To let go of someone's sins against you doesn't mean that you're going to go and reconcile with them. And I love that in this case, to let go of someone's sins doesn't even mean you forgive them yet. It just means you're not holding on to it anymore. It's maybe the first step in the process of reconciliation, a process that in some cases will never occur fully. But I've always thought, well, there's reconciliation, and before that, there's forgiveness. But before that, there's just letting go. This week, I uh, had one of these awkward situations around this idea of letting go of sins. There was somebody who left Eucharist years ago. And sometimes when people leave, they just kind of ghost, like, you know, like they just kind of vapor off. They're poof. And, you know, you kind of like, where did that person go? And you text them once and they don't text back. And you're like, well, I guess that's that. But this person, when they left, left in a bit of a hurricane. And it was like, I want to meet with everybody on the elders board. I want to meet with the team that meets with people as they leave. And I want to tell you all of your sins. And I want to tell you how you're wrong. And I want to tell you why your theology is bad. And just really tore a strip off people. And for years, I'd see this person around, and when I saw them, oh, I was like, look who's here, the person morally below me. <laughs> like, I just would, 
And, and like, I didn't, I, I just started not liking this person. I started judging them. And what went initially from this kind of wounded response, a natural wounded response, became my little hobby sin that I got to hold on to, my little hobby pain that I got to cling to. And of all people, so annoying, this week this person emailed me and said, when I left Eucharist years ago, I left in a really unhealthy way. And I remember why I left, and the person stated why they left and said, and when I left, I yelled at you all about how you were compromising and how you were not being faithful and how bad you were as a pastor because of your theology and your beliefs. And I want you to know that I was wrong and I'm sorry. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and goes on in this email to say, like, you know, I thought I understood why and, my just, and I think that my intentions were good, but that doesn't justify what I've done. And, you know, I changed my own thinking a long time ago and I started thinking differently of you and of Eucharist a long time ago, but I just never reached out because it was embarrassing. And I just want to now say that it wasn't right and what I did was wrong and I'm sorry. And it was so annoying to get that email. Because now I have no excuse to cling on to this hurt, right? Like now it's purely just me, you know, picking my nose and eating it to put it in children's terms. You know, it's just, it's just me being gross on my own. And that is what it's like when you just play over sin in your head over and over, isn't it? And so I was left in this awful situation where I realized that this was the time to let go. And actually to move a step on from that and to say, to Christ, the resurrected Christ who is with me and is with you, I forgive that person. It doesn't mean we're going to be friends. I don't know if I particularly am down to just go, well, we can't hang out anyways. But it was a recognition that something internally had shifted. And that that part of my heart, which was closed and sealed up, had had Christ appear. And had had the doors opened up. And now it was on me to decide if I wanted to walk out into the bright day of freedom. So as we close, I invite us to do an exercise. Uh, I imagine that for many of you, uh, Jill just smiled surprisingly that I said, as I close. I just want you all to know that. If this was in real life right now, I would point right at her and say, that's right, Jill, a 10-minute sermon. When has that ever, ever happened? Happy Easter. Clearly, I'm feeling resurrection vibes. This is your Easter gift. <laughs> uh, as we head out from uh, this part of the service into the time of prayer, I want to invite you to think about maybe the name or the face or the voice that popped into your head when you heard that expression. For those whose sins you let go, they are let go. Those who hold fast, they have been held fast. So if there's a name or a face or a voice or a smell or a somebody, some situation from your past, some person in your psyche that's just been lodged in there and maybe you're grabbing that pain or maybe that pain is grabbing onto you, but whatever it is, if you want to, this is an invitation, this is a could, not a should, but if you want to experience some more freedom, I'm going to invite you to let that go tonight. So I invite you to close your eyes. You can all close our eyes together. And to hold out your hands before you in a gripping motion. This is a really classic prayer exercise, but it is no less powerful for being so classic. 
And I want you to just take a second to put into your palms all the hurt or pain or misunderstanding or frustration or betrayal that that person, that name, that face, or that situation brings to mind. And I'm not going to ask you to forgive that person today. And I'm certainly not going to ask you to reconcile with them. But I'm going to invite you to let go of their sins. When I think about the resurrection, I think about it like a current. These days I imagine it like a current. And that up until Christ, the whole world flowed on a current of power and coercion and strength and victory. But that in the resurrection of Christ, the current of humanity has changed directions. That we're no longer flowing away from one another, but we're flowing back towards one another. That we're no longer flowing away from God, but back towards our creator. Back towards Christ and his table. But we can't flow towards it if we keep clinging to the branches all around us, to the things that sink us under the waters. And so I'm going to read through this text one more time. And after Christ gives us his wisdom, I invite you to open your palms and to let go of that sin if you choose to do that and to receive this gift of grace. When, therefore, it was early evening of that first day of the Sabbath week, and where the disciples were, the doors had been sealed for fear of the Judeans. Jesus came and stood in their midst and says to them, Peace to you. And saying this, he showed them both his hands and his side. Thus on seeing the Lord, the disciples were overjoyed. So Jesus again said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And saying this, he breathed on them and says to them, Receive a Holy Spirit. For those whose sins you let go, they are let go. Those you hold fast, they have been held fast. Amen.